Welcome to AV Plus, the podcast from Commercial Integrator. I'm Adam Forziati, the web editor here at CI, and today I am joined by Jason Knott. He is the editor-in-chief of our sister site, CE Pro, and he's been covering that uh, customs ele- custom electronics market for uh, how many years now, Jason? Uh, maybe a few more than you'd care to admit. Too long, since 1990. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, yeah. since, so, since before I was born. Actually. Yes, yeah. <laughs> So I, I only look like I'm 29 now. Thank <laughs> God this is only a podcast. <laughs> uh, well, Jason, I the, my, my motivation for bringing you on today is that uh, I wanted to talk to you about something really big on your side of the market that just happened, Cedia, the, uh, the trade show surrounding custom electronics and, you know, home automation, that kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, for, for us at, at Commercial Integrator, this is continually important because, you know, when you think about different trends in the office especially – things that our integrators are now using pretty regularly, or at least should be familiarizing themselves with. Uh, things like, you know, the iPad is probably the classic example, right, of something that started in the home and then ended up in a professional environment. So I wanted to talk to you about things that you saw at Cedia um, that you thought might have some crossover appeal into those uh, more professional or rather more corporate kinds of markets and spaces. So, uh, First and foremost, Jason, did you see too much in that kind of realm? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, our own data from CE Pro shows that in 2018, 32.5% of a residential integrator's income came from commercial. Mm-hmm. And what we're finding, and what I'm hearing anecdotally, and also just those numbers prove it out, manufacturers are telling us, like in a corporate, corporate boardroom environment, for example, um, that a lot of commercial integrators are very busy. Mm-hmm. And when it becomes a smaller project, let's just say a corporate boardroom environment where there's two, three, or, or, or four boardrooms only, the commercial guy um, is too busy to take that in some cases. So the manufacturers are telling us that a lot of that smaller corporate boardroom environment project work, they're sending to the residential guys who are migrating into telecommunications systems and um, video distribution and audio distribution in the commercial world, Some in some cases by default, but in other cases because it's a, a good market for them and the manufacturers are looking for an outlet. So more and more, our two websites are kind of joining forces a little bit in, in ways that we didn't even anticipate a few years ago. Yeah, but you're never going to see a residential guy do a large commercial project. Yeah. You know, they just don't have the wherewithal. They don't have the insurance needs, the manpower, all those sorts of things. Amusement parks, arenas, uh, large facilities, um, assembly facilities, uh, schools and universities. Those are just not in the, the bailiwick of these of our guys. But that small, light commercial, what we used to call light commercial, which is bars, restaurants, maybe small nightclubs, and then, as I just mentioned, the small corporate environment is really getting into the wheelhouse of these guys now. Okay, so considering that, you know, the CDA trade show floor is massive, right, and you saw, you know, multiple different categories, broad categories of technology uh, at your time on the floor, uh, where did you think you saw the most uh, in terms of products? Like, what, what section of the floor did you see the most in terms of products that have that kind of appeal more for like small, medium-sized business environments? So predominantly, I'm going to say it's in the audio realm, okay. the audio distribution realm. Um, so p- before the show, Dante 
put out a release saying that there was going to be 17 exhibitors there with the uh, the Dante audio networking platform in their booth. So we're talking about guys like Control 4, Harman, Elon, Yamaha, some name brands in the residential space were there mm-hmm. with the the Dante um, um, audio distribution platform, a, a network platform. So that, to me, was the biggest crossover. Um, also on the video side, I'll say, kind of opposite to your original question, there was some very large commercial display um, exhibits there that had their roots in the commercial space, but have now migrated into the residential space. Sony being kind of the biggie there, they had a massive um, $900,000 crystal LED display in their booth. It was the centerpiece of their booth. Um, It's been purely in the commercial environment, but they are now opening it up. It was the big coming out party at CDF for them to open this up to the residential market. Um, it was a 220-inch display put together with individual modules. You could get an inch from it, and you could not see the the individual modules. It was crystal clear and beautiful. So that was a biggie. Um, also, I saw some interesting things in the commercial audio space that were around sound masking, which is not something you hear a lot of the residential guys ever no. seeing. So one company, Channel Vision, had a thing that they called their instinctive noise masking system that was basically a video intercom or an audio intercom system, but it also added masking noises for corporate environments so you could go into a conference room or an office and turn this thing on. It would would, uh, mask the sound from bleeding outside. So they had water noises, bird noises, rushing water, waves crashing, White noise, pink noise, which I don't even know what pink noise is, pink but they noise. they had it in there. Pink huh. noise. We'll have to check. We'll have to check on that one. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. Um, um, also, I'll mention. I want to mention a company called Black Dove, okay. which was there, and this is digital art. So what you might see in airports and things like that. This mesmerizing, moving art mm. that is. This was born out of the commercial environment, also. They were there with a $1,500 black box unit that integrators could sell in the residential space for digital art to display on homeowners' televisions. Hmm. And it was spectacular. You know, just you couldn't stop staring at it. Really pretty, pretty stuff. That seems almost something that would be more suited to, you know, like corporate environments uh, or not necessarily corporate environments, but, you know, uh, you know, hotels, that kind of thing, than it would be for the home. It would be, yeah. And I've seen it in, in airports, actually. I've seen this moving art in airports, and it is mesmerizing, but they're bringing it now with a lower cost mm-hmm. and a, probably a more limited um, amount of art, is my guess, than what they might offer in the commercial space to the residential market. And uh, so anything else uh, along that realm? You've, you've mentioned some big players and some smaller up-and-coming ones. Um, I, I'm just kind of curious, Jason, did you see anything, whether it had crossover appeal to commercial or not, that really kind of took you off, took you, you know, by surprise or knocked you off your feet, so to speak? Um, there was something that I've kind of found interesting in that in the residential space, a lot of the guys are putting in commercial grade networks okay. for their homeowners. That's the first step. You know, a ring doorbell, for example, even if you put that in a homeowner's in a home, but you don't think about what it's going to do to the network, it can not function properly. 
And so before you can even put in a ring doorbell in many cases, which is kind of the, the basic, you know, entry level piece of surveillance equipment, you've got to think about the network. So there was a lot of enterprise grade network stuff and there has been for, for many years there. But what I found interesting this year was that more and more the, they were focusing on the firewall element of the network, meaning me to try and prevent the home from being hacked. It's kind of, Nobody's talked about it for a long time because they don't want to. They don't want to mention if you get a smart home, now you've opened yourself up to hacking. And obviously, the commercial guys have taken that very, very seriously in terms of them deploying networks for their customers. The residential guys have been hit or miss on it. Let me just put it that way. Some guys have taken it seriously. I don't want to paint it across the entire market, um, but I found. Almost across the board, almost all those enterprise-grade network companies were emphasizing the firewall and the, the hacking prevention element of the network this year, which I thought was great. So do you think that smart homes are, given the, uh, the attitude surrounding uh, firewall, uh, do you think smart homes are more secure now, broadly speaking, than they have been yet? Or is there still a lot, a long way to go there? They're probably less secure <laughs> only because there's more of them. Right. Okay. You know, there's so many people buying off the shelf products, putting them in their homes, not changing the password from the default one, two, three, four, or whatever it might be. Um, I think California passed a law. I know it was a legis, it was in legislation, legislation. I don't know if it passed or not that uh, required that disallowed any device from being sold with a default password of one, two, three, four. <laughs> so because they know most, most, so many homeowners are buying it and not knowing how to change that. Right. So I think there's more smart homes out there that are in need of protection than there ever were, to answer your question. <laughs> well, Jason, I really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for sharing your insight of what you saw there. And uh, I'd be interested to see what CE Pro writes about for the coming weeks, because I know you have a lot to, to unpack. Thanks for having me, Adam. <laughs>